This is Amateur Logic, episode 104, for May 15th, 2017. This episode of Amateur Logic was brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com, and by ICOM. Enter the Hams to Japan sweepstakes today at icomamerica.com slash h2ja. Hi, welcome to Amateur Logic, episode 104. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Peter. I'm Emil. And it's what? It's it's good to be back with you. It is, and we've got a great show lined up for you tonight. A lot of interesting things, some a little bit different than usual. Uh, Tommy, how have you been? I've been doing pretty good. I, uh, this month, I kind of stumbled across a cool little piece of software. I thought I might share it with everybody. Cool. Well, I played with uh, an, a new antenna. Actually, it's been been around. I don't know, maybe not, maybe not quite a year yet, but it's just gone through some improvements. And I've got one here, oh, cool. and I wanted to show you a little bit about it. Peter, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Uh, I've been doing some repairs to my BitX40, or rather, an upgrade, which you'll see a little bit of later. And uh, yeah, it, um, I'm very pleased with the results. Oh, All right, email. How are things down in the swamp? Well, things are heating up down in the swamp. It's getting hot down here, and uh, I hooked up with a uh, fellow ham friend of mine, and uh, we've been working in the digital modes. Cool. That's always fun. That is. Uh, and, you know, I, I played a little bit of digital this week, just just a little bit, not oh, yeah? much. Yeah. You know, I don't want to jump in it too quick. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, actually, my segment's got to do with some digital, too, so it's going to be a digital night. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It does, doesn't it? Peter, you've got something you want to tell us about here, don't you? Yes, I uh, got sent uh, a, um, a link to a uh, uh, to some news about a, uh, a radio station that's testing on shortwave. It's a low-power shortwave station around about 5 megahertz, and um, it's, uh, it, it's just testing. The uh, owner has been having some, Stefano has been having some uh, antenna problems. So if you don't hear it, that could be the reason. But, um, yeah, well, well worth checking out. Okay, cool. What was that frequency again? I think for memory it was 5025 kilohertz. So it's not what it says on the screen there. 5045. So it's on the oh, screen. 45. Apologies. Yeah. Sorry. Well, that's cool. Uh, low power shortwave station. Yeah. Can you just put those on there, Peter? Or do you you do need a license for that? Don't you? Uh, ordinarily, <laughs> <laughs> um, I did. Uh, I, I in, in when I went to the link, I did read that uh, uh, it was a news article that uh, that he was described as a licensed shortwave operator. So your segment tonight, you. You did uh, a BitX40 project here recently, and you, you're changing it? What are you doing? 
Well, you know, the original approach um, is, is is just to sort of get you started. And uh, just uh, recap, the, the project comes from India. It's a low-cost 40-metre transceiver. But, um, you know, you do need to do a little bit further work once you've built it to kind of improve it. Now, one thing that's happened is that since I got my first kit, uh, the uh, producer of the uh, kit has now included a uh, digital tuning. So there's a digital tuner add-on for the uh, original kit that I got. And so I ordered this, uh, but it now comes standard with the kit when you order the kit, which costs nine US dollars. So uh, this is about the upgrade that I did. Hello and welcome once again. This month, I'm going to upgrade my BitX40 transceiver and add digital tuning. But first, a new addition to my Hamshack. My old DXCC world map was a little out of date and didn't feature some new countries like South Sudan. So I hunted around on the internet and found this map, which I imported from Bulgaria. It's quite colourful and appears to be up to date. Let's now turn to the BitX40 and recap a little bit from my first build segment. The BitX40 is a partially assembled 40 meter transceiver kit that comes from India. Assembling the kit is very easy and as you can see I got as far as assembling the kit and doing some tests. I found though that the frequency of the transceiver tended to drift and also that the transmitted audio was a bit rough. In today's segment I'm going to fix the first problem, namely the frequency stability. I ordered an upgrade kit which will give the radio digital tuning. The good news is that the Raduino digital tuner now comes standard with the kit, yet the price is just US $59, which is amazing. Let's now have a look at the upgrade kit and what was supplied. First up, a receipt, and we've got a list of the box contents. Well, we've got a Raduino board which comes assembled, which is, which is handy. That should be fairly easy to put in. And then we've got a series of connectors, a two, five and eight pin connector, um, four brass standoffs with screw and nut for mounting the BIDX board and the Arduino. That's good. And then a one by T56 toroid wound with 50 turns. Uh, that's there. And a one by 0.1 microfarad capacitor which I'm not sure if I can see that in here. I'll assume it's, it's in here. Why those latter two have been supplied, I'm not quite sure. But, uh, oh, there it is. There's the small capacitor. Yeah, so um, the only thing is, uh, they didn't actually supply any instructions on how to upgrade the radio. Uh, so I'm going to have to hunt around on the internet and see if I can find some instructions. I've now removed the front panel from uh, the transceiver. And as you can see, I've left some space here uh, to put the, or rather to mount the LCD display at a later date. Uh, that will sit about there. I'll try to move it over as far to the right as possible in order not to interfere with this potentiometer here. Uh, I just need to cut an appropriate slot uh, this size here. So I'll measure that up and then cut a slot here. Uh, the other thing to note is that the LCD panel uh, goes this way up with all the pins at the top. Let's now have a look at my handiwork. I changed my mind and I decided to put the LCD panel more central. It gives me a little bit more room. So I cut a rectangle out and also uh, drilled four small holes for these little bolts. 
as well as drilled another hole here for this on-off button slash volume knob. I then moved the mainboard back half a centimetre to give me a little bit more room. Now how's this LCD panel, uh, or rather Arduino, held in place? Well, the LCD panel um, slides onto these uh, four bolts and then uh, I've screwed these standoffs uh, onto that. Then this connector here plugs into the back of the LCD panel. Uh, that's in turn connected to the second board, which also slides onto the standoffs. So I just need to add four small nuts and everything will be held in place. I went to the BitX forums to seek some advice as to which components to remove, given that I was no longer using analog tuning, but digital tuning. According to Farin, I need to remove this toroid here, which is L4, and he also recommends removing capacitors C91 and C92. Uh, so I'll do that now. This is the main board of the BitX40, and this is its DDS connector, which goes in here. This joins the Arduino to the main board. The instructions say to solder the brown wire of the Arduino's 5-pin connector to the black wire of the BitX's DDS connector. Then solder the red wire of the Arduino's 5-pin connector to the brown wire of the BitX's DDS connector. Now, the brown wire of the Arduino's 5-pin connector does not connect to the brown wire of the BitX's DDS connector. Once you've done that, you can solder the black wire from here to the DC power socket on the earth side and also solder the orange wire to the DC power switch on the volume control. This is the BitX40's volume control. When I first wired up the radio, I made a major mistake. I failed to route a positive power or the positive leads or various positive leads that are connected around the circuit through this switch at the back. I just left that blank and wired it straight to the external connector. So I didn't realize it, but uh, my power was always on, uh, but I didn't notice it because when I turned the volume knob up, the sound came up normally. So what I've redone is I've uh, routed all the positive leads through this switch, and then the other side of the switch goes through to the external connector. What you're hearing there on this little radio is a special event station from the Rotary Foundation. And uh, just by the way, you can actually receive them or talk to them up until about May the 26th. And, uh, the, and special QSL cards will be printed and sent on completion of the activity. So that's a worthwhile uh, special event station to try and work. As you can hear, the uh, reception is quite good. I compared the dial frequency of that station with uh, the dial frequency on uh, my IC751, and it shows that the, uh, the frequency readout is absolutely spot on. So the Arduino must have come pre-tuned. Now, if you have to retune the Arduino, there are instructions on the website. Now, I'm going to show you how the tuning works. Uh, pretty stock standard. You move the... Uh, a tuning knob clockwise and it goes up in frequency and you go the other way it goes down in frequency and it's quite precise and quite stable in contrast to what it was before however here's a little trick when you get near the end of the tuning range it immediately starts to automatically increment by 10 kilohertz steps 
and it's going up and when you go the other way once you go far enough it'll start dropping in 10 kilohertz steps it's a little unusual but uh, there you go uh, I, I think it's actually a very sensible way to to uh, to use the tuning uh, potentiometer because the tuning potentiometer will tune across a narrow range and then if you've got to move to another part of the band well you just turn it fully clockwise or fully anti-clockwise so well, all in all it, this has been a great build and I have to say for $59 with the Arduino um, this is exceptional value I thought the radio was good before but it's even better now However, at this stage, I'm not going to do a transceiver test because uh, the transmit audio is still a bit rough. But I am in the future episode going to go and mod that. I'll try to find a modification that will improve the transmit audio. And I'll try to build in a stock standard microphone. But for that, you'll have to wait for a future uh, segment. But as I said, I, I do recommend this uh, BitX40 transceiver. Very much, very easy to build and a lot of fun. Pretty worthwhile project there, Peter. Nice upgrade. Oh, look, it's taken a, a good radio and made it really great now. A really fun radio to use. Uh, but as I said, um, at this stage, it's still got the little electric microphone, which is, is just impractical. So uh, I really need to have a proper uh, microphone with a proper push-to-talk button. Ah, cool. okay. I'm just curious. <clears throat> well, that's, it's going to be Australian dollars, so I have to convert it. But, like, what, what if you have total in that whole kit there now about that's fairly inexpensive to get into isn't it well the, the, as i said the total cost of the kit right for everything that i've done today is 59 us dollars and that's uh postage paid wow hmm. well that's that is so, that's dirt cheap it looks like a lot of fun for 59 dollars too yeah yeah but i will put one qualification on that in that the a microphone that they supply it's a tiny electric electric microphone, and when you actually test it on air, you'll hear that the audio sounds a little bit rough. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there's, there's a need to improve that end of things. I think it, people would be prepared to pay an extra 10 or $15 uh, if they included a, uh, a cheap Chinese microphone that would do the job. Um, it would make it much more usable. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, nice project. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Speaking of projects, I've got an email here that uh, came from Aaron Scott, K5ATG, and he said, Hey, George, I have a question. I have an Arduino device that runs off a 9-volt battery. Is there a way to reduce the 13.8 volts coming out of my power supply to supply the 9 volts to the Arduino? And... Uh, Yes, Aaron, there is. And actually, I think <laughs> maybe I emailed you the wrong answer when I oops, when oh, I sent an email do it. this. I was thinking of the Arduino and needing 5 volts. So uh, I told him to check out the LM7805. If you <clears> want it to be 9 volts, it would be the LM7809. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, if uh, Well, there's a couple of different options you can take there. You can use that chip, which is a, a traditional analog uh, voltage regulator. You know, they've, they've been around for a number of years now, the one on the left there. 
Very simple to connect. You just need that. A uh, couple of capacitors and, you the know, other, The other one looks go. very familiar. The other one, uh, this one is an LM2596. That's an adjustable voltage regulator on the right-hand side there. That's uh, one of the newer devices that you can get now. That That's a, a photo of one, but there's a number of them on Amazon and different sources. These are switching power supplies. And where the LM7805 or 7809 will run a little bit warm, that means they're wasting a little power, uh, these newer switcher devices don't do that, so they would be a better um, option if you're trying to run off battery power. Mm-hmm. This, that's actually the similar, actually maybe the same one that I used in my little project when I was stepping down to 12 volts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been probably six or eight months ago, but they're cool little devices. If you look around, you get them for like 99 cents. Yeah, they're they're not much money at all, and... Uh, <coughs> You know, it's amazing we can get stuff that cheap. Mm-hmm. They're cool. They're pretty handy, too. Yeah. So, Tommy, what are you going <clears> to <throat> talk about this week or, or well, show us uh, on video? Yeah, I, I stumbled across a little piece of software. I didn't even know it was out there. And uh, I just happened to be looking for something for my uh, thumb DV. You remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. And uh, they gave me a Mac at work. And my software that I had for my Windows PC wouldn't work on it, so I was looking for an alternative, and I I found one, and it works really great. Some of you may remember the segment I did a while back about my little dongle from Northwest Digital Radio. This is the ThumbDV dongle. Really, They really hit it out of the park with this thing. It's really handy. I keep it in my computer bag a good bit. Um, But I, I did a segment where I set up some software, and I used it on my Windows computer for work while I'm away. Um, but there wasn't any Mac software. Well, my Windows computer died, and they gave me a Mac to replace it with, and so this was out of business for me. Sometimes if it's just not practical to have a handy talkie sitting around or whatever, listening to it out loud, you can plug this thing in, get on D-Star, you know, a little bit more discreetly, and put in a set of earbuds, and you're good to go. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and set it up on this desktop computer. I already had it running on my work computer, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and go through this setup. It's it's so easy. It, it's pretty much plug and play. I stumbled across a little piece of software called Buster in the App Store, and it's right here. Again, it's free. Um, I've already installed it just to save time. Let's go ahead and plug this up to the USB port on the computer, and let's run Buster. And it comes up. It's it's a pretty simple little program. Not much to it. It's real easy to set up. Let's go through the configuration options. Preferences. We need to put a call sign in. In 5, Z, and O. And I'll go ahead and call this Charlie. And we'll say this is Thumb DV on Mac. Just for lack of something better to call. Uh, you can change the transmit key. I'm just going to leave it at F5. Uh, For audio, I have this set to the built-in speaker so you can hear it. And built-in audio codec so my microphone up here will work. Or, I'm sorry, the USB codec. And then for vocoder, we need to pick our device and the serial port. It, It finds it pretty much automatic. This device also supports the Network TV 3000. I think George might have one of these. And uh, Mike, our friend Mike Morneau, may have one. 
But anyway, it supports it. I don't have one to test it with. Mine uses the lower baud rate here. Um, I'm guessing there's some that have the higher baud rate now. And then you'll see your information at the bottom for your for your thumb DV if it found it. So I'll go ahead and just call that good. Let's add a reflector. I'm going to go to REF03, there's 30. Charlie, which is one I like to hang out on. Let's see, I also do 14 Charlie on uh, Wednesdays, so I can listen to the Ham Nation Net. I'll add that one. And I'll add uh, zero, oops, zero, zero, 001 Charlie to listen to, and my local repeater, K5R, K, there it is. So everything that's available you see shows up as an incremental search in the drop-down list there. So that no, you know you've got valid entries. It supports the D-plus reflectors, the X-reflectors, uh, you know, all of them, I guess. It's very versatile. So I'll go ahead and add my local repeater. I usually hang out on the Bravo node of that one. And let's try connecting to 130 Charlie. To connect, you can select it and hit the link button down here at the bottom uh, to disconnect you can click the uh, broken link right there let's see if there's anybody on one of these other ones uh, G4 HFG G4 Hotel Foxtrot Golf on reflector 1 Charlie so we're listening to somebody on 1 Charlie and we can see that's his call sign G4 HFG and uh, he's on Repeater MB6CY. This little piece of software has a lot of usefulness to my thumb DV. I've kind of missed having it. Um, I love my handy talkies, my ID51 carrying it around, but occasionally it's just not practical to use it, and this is a nice thing to fill in the blank or fill in the gap. Uh, so, anyway, I hope you find it useful. It's, uh, it's not a very technical segment, but I know a lot of you Mac users out there and DSTAR users may get a little bit of use out of this. 73. Buster Daystar. Yeah, it's a cool little program, man. Like, like I was telling you earlier, you just pop that thing and it works. And if you're on the network, it, it works. And just plug in a pair of earbuds and, and you know, it's a little mic. You'd be on Daystar sitting there right in the conference room with everybody. That's pretty cool. Everybody needs to Daystar while they're in a conference yeah. room. So they moved you to a Mac at work? Yeah. They were like, uh, my computer must up. <laughs> It's a long story about how the computer messed up, but at any rate, they were like, well, we've been getting these for the guys that need more horsepower on the computer, and that's what they ended up getting me. Huh. So can you run Visual Studio on it? I, I do have a, a VM a Fusion, <clears throat> a VMware Fusion mm -hmm. on there, and I've got a Windows 10 VM, but, the, okay. you know, everything on the native OS is faster. Yeah. So anyway, but it's, it's a cool program. I just I didn't know it was there, and uh, it works pretty nice. I thought some other people might get some use out of it. Is it just for that particular dongle, or does it work with any of the other? You, you know what? Stores? I don't remember. I think it's I think it's primarily for that one. Okay. Uh, it may work with the other Northwest Digital Radio Board. I forget the name of it. Um, but anyway, it's uh, it's out there on the App Store, so you can take a look at it. All right. Well, you can't. The Mac okay. users can. True.
<laughs> not not that I would want to. <laughs> you should. Yeah. Well, we're going to be back in just a moment. We've got a lot more to go yet. But first, let's get a message from one of our sponsors. Want to sign up for the digital revolution and explore a whole new world of amateur radio excitement? The new MFJ-1204 Universal USB Radio Interface is your ticket to easy digital operation. It's exceptionally quick to set up and use. There's no complex wiring or connectors required. Full USB plug-and-play connectivity powered by USB port, so no external power supply is required. Dedicated onboard sound card, so your computer sound system is not used. Works with all digital modes using any of dozens of freely available downloadable programs. There's a complete line of interface cables to fit most popular radios. And it's perfect for base station, portable, or go kit applications. Ham Radio's digital era continues to expand as new modes emerge. And the good news is that you don't need to buy a lot of fancy new equipment to join the fun. All it takes is your existing radio, a computer, some free downloadable software, and a sound card equipped USB interface like the MFJ1204 to get started. The MFJ1204 stands out because it's faster to set up and easier to use than any other USB interface on the market. The unit comes with no solder jumpers, pre-installed, and a cable design to fit your radio model. If you change radios in the future, simply order a new cable for it and move a few simple jumpers. Connect the MFJ1204 to any available USB port on your computer and plug the appropriate interface cable into the back of your radio and you're on the air. No need to disconnect the microphone or fumble around with multiple patch cords. Convenient front panel controls for quick receive and transmit levels. The MFJ1204 supports virtually every data and digital voice mode available today. Whether you're thinking about exploring digital operations for the first time or you're a seasoned veteran, you'll find the compact MFJ1204 an exceptionally user-friendly and simple-to-use solution. To get on your way to enjoying the digital modes, visit MFJEnterprises.com today. And you know, Tommy, there's a special event coming up at MFJ in September. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, planning on being there. It's the, uh, I believe it's the Day 29th and 30th. Yeah. Day in the park. 45th anniversary of MFJ Enterprises. Wow, 45 years, man. Yep. They're going to have a uh, celebration there at a park in Starkville, Mississippi. I've, I went to this one uh, five years ago. Actually, I was at one before that, too. If you remember mm-hmm. the MFJ factory tours, they yeah. give those when they're doing this uh, ARRL Day in the Park event okay. at Starkville. We're encouraging you, if you can, go to Starkville, Mississippi, September 29th, 30th. Uh, sign up and, and go. It's free. You get a, a free meal with it as well, and you get free factory tours of all the MFJ factories. Yeah, you know, those factory tour videos that you did, those things uh, got a lot of views. So, oh, yeah. You, know, you can go see that stuff in person. Yeah. Now. So uh, put that on your calendar, so it'll be a pretty big time. I'm looking forward to, to yeah. going there yeah, again. You know, it's I'm, I missed the last two. Yeah. So I'm not going to miss this one. Okay. You're go- you might even see uh, ham seating chicken there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm looking forward to that, too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure Arnie is going to be there. 
Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, he's got they, two. That's right there in his backyard. Do they actually do uh, um, a station that we can uh, contact? Uh, yeah, they'll have a station on the air. But Emil, you're so close, you just ought to come on up. <laughs> come All on, right. go with us. Yeah. You can contact them in person. <laughs> yeah, you can. Is that a mode? Yeah, handshake. He has special <laughs> cards for that. It's a, he, If you talk to Martin, he'll give you an eyeball QSO card. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, in five years' time, it'll be the 50th anniversary, which should be quite an awesome celebration. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to come over for that one, Peter. I'm yeah. so, I was just thinking about that. It could well be on the cards. It would be pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. Where's Starkville, by the way? Uh, what, about an hour and 30 uh, minutes north of here? Yeah, something like that. Okay. It's not very far. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. You get to cool. come by. Come on by. You can uh, get a tour of the Amateur Logic Studios in person, too. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be great. And I, from memory, I believe if you go north from your way, you end up in Memphis. So um, that's worth visiting as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can go see the king. Yep. The man. Yep. Oh, but no, no, we've got the king on our uh, on our show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we, yeah. <laughs> Rock and Ray. Oh, Rock yeah. And Ray. <laughs> well... You know, the, the amateur logic hat has really been making the rounds, Tommy. It, it has. And we've got some more photos here. These at uh, uh, John Baggett K2BAG. I don't know if he's in the chat room tonight. He might. Yeah, he's in there. He he managed to capture it in the wild a few more times. Uh, that thing gets around. Oh, wow. Yep. Google in San Francisco. <laughs> Who would have ever thought... Yeah, I don't know if he was, how he captured if he was doing a Google search or what was going on. <laughs> but even a hat can Google it. Even a hat can Google it, yeah. Uh, there were, um, well, it's really been all over the place. Here's one right here. This is from Vegas, the NAB show. Uh, the the ham radio operator's reception, you know, we, we've been yep, to that been before. been to that many times. Yep. Uh it was there. You can see it right up in the yep. top left-hand corner there, hanging out in front. That's not the only appearance in Vegas. Here's another one right here. I, I see that prize there. I'm thinking maybe uh, John won that. I don't know if he did or not. But What, what does it say? I can't read it. It's a, a gift card from uh, Hank uh, Landsberg. You remember Hank? The name's familiar. Henry Engineering. Oh, Henry. Okay, Henry Engineering. I do yep. remember that. It's hanging out there with the most coveted prizes. And there's the hat right there with it. Yep. And then there's one more here. It's Rock and Ray. Speaking of Rock and Ray. Yep. And I, he I'm, looks proud to be holding that hat too. He does, doesn't he? <laughs> well, he was up in the ham radio reception there, you know, with yeah. the amateur logic hat. What more could you want? I mean. And I don't think that's it. I think there's a, another one after it left Vegas. Where do you think it might pop up? There's no telling with that hat. <laughs> Mr. Bones. Mr. Bones in Detroit. Awesome. Oh, no, oh. he's probably good walking around by now after wearing the hat. Yeah. And by the way, that's not real bones there, although it's named Mr. Bones. I think those are plastic bones, maybe. Plastic bones, 3D printed. No, it could be. And then the, the hat went back home. Where do you think home would be? 
Coney Island Beach Boardwalk. Oh, cool. Hanging out right there with all the other hats. Uh, I didn't know I didn't know they were distributing the hats for us there. Oh yeah, it's at all the theme parks. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's one other here and somehow I uh I lost the location of this, but it looks pretty scary. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that was in San Francisco or where that was, but the earth was tilted a little bit at that location, as you can tell. I don't know. Is that down near L.A., near the tar pits and oh, stuff? Oh, it could be, I guess. Yeah. It kind of looks like L.A., but I, it's been so long since I've been there. Uh, John may tell you. He's probably in there. I don't have it on the chat right now. So. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco. Okay. It's a Jurassic ham. Yep. Hey, you know, even the the saber tooth, the the best known prehistoric creatures would be proud to don a we've been, amateur logic. We've been camp. doing amateur logic that long. It just doesn't <laughs> seem like that long. Well, some days it does. <laughs> this is not one of them, though. No. And it's not only the amateur logic swag that's being seen out in public these days. Yeah, the ham college stuff's getting around too. This is uh, Patrick, VE6PRM. I actually just got this today. Uh, he says he went to get ready to uh, get ready in the park uh, wearing his Ham College sweater. He was going to show off his Ham College t-shirt, so he's actually got both of them. And uh, anyway, that's a picture of him in front of the Northern Alberta radio trailer at the event. That's an uh, emergency preparedness event that they have up there. So anyway, he was representing well. I'm sure he was the best looking or... At least the sharpest dressed guy there. Maybe mm -hmm. the best looking guy there. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, appreciate you representing for us. And he was warm, too. Yeah, and warm. I think you need the sweatshirt up. No, yeah, at that temperature, no doubt. Yeah. But uh, That was a serious, serious looking trailer there. Well, that was, mm -hmm. wasn't it? Yeah, it sure was. Man. Uh, he, he was running uh, 7,100 in there. Cheap old man compliant? Uh, No. No. <laughs> That's okay, though. It's still a winner. Yep. That's right. Serious business. Well, yeah. So um, if hmm, go, go ahead. ahead. No. If you wanted to to get a hat or a ham collar or amateur logic shirt or any any swag, where would you find that, Tommy? Well, you could go to amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com. Imagine that. Yeah. Boy, that is timely. A, a store just dedicated to. Yeah, and that's not a theme park. No, like it's not. Other, like <laughs> some of the other outlets. Yeah. You can get it from the convenience of your own home. From your own computer or someone yeah. else's computer. Wow. Um, but, yeah, you can get them there. And uh, tell, we got a little uh, giveaway coming up, too. You want to talk about that now or are we going to wait till later? Oh, well, we can talk about it now. Okay. You know, we're going to Dayton Hamvention, uh, well, Thursday. Thursday. We'll be heading out Thursday Yeah. and arriving up there. And uh, we're looking forward to... Uh, a great year at the, is it the Green County Fairground? I think it is. It's in Xenia, yeah. Ohio. Uh, they've moved um, the location, so uh, we're looking forward to it. And to celebrate, we're going to be giving away some of these right here. It's the Amateur Logic Commemorative Fogold PL259. Yep. So for everybody that has an Amateur Logic or ham college shirt hat 
swag. Swim of the swag, whatever. Yeah. Just we just want people representing there. Mm-hmm. So we we've got a lot of viewers and kind of like to show them off a little bit. So and we don't have a lot of connectors. Well, there's more well, where those came yeah, from. Yeah, we'll probably have to buy some more. <laughs> but, but anyway, get your gold PL259 or faux gold PL259. Be sure and come up and uh, say hi to us and, uh, and anyway, show us you have your it swag. On, show us your swag. And uh, hopefully we can get a picture from you to show on the yep. show also while, while we're everybody's together yeah. there. We're well, looking forward to meeting a lot. While supply lasts. While supplies last. But we're planning they're on picking still, up more They're still supplies. making more, so. Yeah. Um, I thought we had more than those here, but uh, yeah. anyway, we're we're good. Well, they just kind of like evaporated, you know, in the, You've in been, the bag down there. Your daughters have been wearing them. Yeah. That's good jewelry <laughs> items. <laughs> okay. So, uh, enough of that. I think emails got, well, he's got an email. Email. Yeah. Email's email. <laughs> I got a uh, uh, post from uh, in the Google Plus uh, community um, from our uh, friend over there, Rodney Spencer, uh, AE7QT. Uh, he wrote to us, Hi, guys. In episode 98, Emil was asked, What would the cheap old man do with the crime seam tape? Um, I would suggest you could make a cheap lab code out of it. ICOM had some white ones that they made. I remember that. And um, with the ALTV printed on them, uh, this would be the red lab coat edition, he says. Um, and it, he, my favorite part of the whole post was that at no, almost no cost. So uh, anyway, 73 from Rod, AE7QT. Um, you know, I think that there you go. There you go. I just I just flipped back to the video. That's that's it. I think that would make a great red edition of the uh, coat. And uh Especially at no cost. You know, I should have grabbed a, a screenshot of it. Ray was wearing a coat like this. Do yeah, you know we, we made it. <laughs> we made it for him. Yeah. But uh, he he popped through this. You know, he goes to the gym. Yeah. So he was able to get out of this pretty easy. Yeah. That's but, okay. Uh, well, what were we trying to hang on to? 7,300 7,300, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, got another good use for some of the crime scene tape here. We're down to two rolls, Tommy. Oh, yeah? And I know we're going to be using some of this stuff at field day again oh, this yeah. year. Yeah. So, that will... Uh, yeah, we're going to have to ration out that last roll. Yeah, probably so. Well, email, what are you going to show us this month? Well, I uh, I got bit by the rat. Oh, the my D- goodness. <laughs> the D-rat. Um, uh, local ham who runs a uh, rat flector on his Raspberry Pi, uh, Glenn, uh, KG5CEN. In fact, he's in the chat room. Um, we got we decided to get together. Uh, he's the server side. I'm the client side. We got together and made it work and put it through its paces to do everything we could make it do for uh, MCOM on Aries. And I was surprised. Hmm. I was surprised, too. I'm looking forward to seeing this. Mm-mm, that's some good pie. KG5CN, KE5QKR. This is KG5CN. Go ahead. All right. Good morning, Glenn. Uh, I guess I wanted to uh, take some time and show them your, uh, show the people about your reflector and how we can use it over RF and uh, how to set things up on the basics uh, since you got that service 
on your end if you uh, have some time over. Roger that. I've got everything set up over here and ready. Uh, the Ratflector normally runs on the internet uh, in a practice mode, but during times of emergency, we can hook the D-Star radio up to it on a uh, base station antenna over here and actually put the Ratflector on the air and it can act as a bridge between people in the field and people on the internet to send and receive emails, to send files, and do some other neat stuff. So uh, it's on the air right now, and uh, we can uh, go ahead and test it out. Okay, Emil, this is Glenn, KG5CEN. We're here to show you the setup that we're using for running DRATs on an ICOM radio. When you have an emergency and you lose internet capability, the D-Star radio has the capability of becoming the D-Star, uh, becoming the internet for you. And sometimes the solution is as easy as pie, a Raspberry Pi that is. This little computer is what's running our DRATS Ratflector. We hook uh, normally to the internet and the reason we do that is for practice for everyone that is going to use the Ratflector. They need to get their setup put together properly. They need to make sure that uh, their computers are working. And then if there's an emergency we go ahead and we hook a radio to that Ratflector. Uh, here in slide L I've got an ID5100 up here. We're hooked to the Ratflector with an ICOM OPC2218LU data cable and give me just a second here and we'll show you uh, our setup. Oh, by the way, Emil, you hear me talking a lot of times about my uh, indoor radio tower. This is it over here, uh, my magmount two-meter antenna on a, a set of popcorn tins. <laughs> this is my two cents worth here, uh, cheap old man approved, of course. This is the setup that we're using for the uh, Ratflector. We've got the D-Star radio hooked up. The Ratflector is on the flat screen TV. Going through the internet is my PC over here uh, that's also running DRATS without a radio. So I was going from the internet to the Ratflector and the ID5100 was then broadcasting it over the air on a uh, base antenna. What's actually running the uh, the Ratflector is right here a little Raspberry Pi. We got a direct link to a uh, router. We've got the connection to the television set. We've got the power supply and we've got the D-Star uh, data cable. This is the conversation we were having. I was actually typing it on the PC 
it was being transmitted to the rat flector over the internet again and then it showed up over here on the big screen television which then fed it to the ID5100 and broadcasted it over the air. This can be done through a repeater. It can be sent through a reflector if the repeater or reflector owners permit it to go through. Or we can set up simplex like we were doing and just have it local from radio to radio. And you can have multiple people on it at the same time. Uh, we've done this demonstration before with four of us connected to the one rat flector and transmitting files and chatting back and forth, sending emails and sending the uh, forms. You can see the rat flector is running on the Raspberry Pi. You can see the little Pi symbol up in the uh, corner there. Alright, so here I'm going to go to the computer and send them a uh, message right here. Let's see if you can see that. This is, you can see there it's set up to the IC9100 as the port. And I say this is a test. And I hit over on the side, send button and the radio is going to transmit that out and I've got a receipt from him in fact he's he's sending me that alrighty Glenn did you get that test I see you sent me another uh, uh, message or at least your uh, ID no okay I think I uh, I got that reply and yeah I think I was keying up while your uh, station was IDing or something I might have doubled with it over. Roger that. Yeah, the uh, the the rat flector is working right now, dual purpose. It's all on the internet and it's on V Star, uh, doing DV. So uh, if you're, you should make sure you're just on uh, RF right now while you do while we're doing this test, because if you're on both, it's gonna come up on both sides over. Okay, yes, Roger that. Good uh, good point. I um I went ahead and disabled all of the internet connections and the preferences on the radio so that the only port available is 9100. So it's forcing it the traffic to basically go over the air only. And I do see your station along with the mail drop um in the uh, DRAT software. So it's working over the air for sure. <laughs> Alright, on the computer side here, I've set up my radio as the only station, the only uh, rat flector or thing to worry about. It's on my particular one, is on COM10 at 9600 baud to the ICOM. So, first things first, I'm going to go ahead, I can see uh, KC5, uh, KG5CEN up here. I'm going to go ahead and ping his station since it is. Uh, reflecting there and the radio will actually send out a ping and his his radio is actually replying to me now and you can see there it came back over the air and replied it said he was online with a little message that he put that you can set up for the ping so 
that's just to show that it's uh, working over the air uh, via D-Star. So another feature of the uh, software is uh, a very similar uh, email interface where most people in the public would recognize the basics like the inbox, outbooks, red, sent, trash, etc. And the uh, software has that capability built in, again, either via the internet or via the air. And since my station is registered over the air with his, via our local, the frequencies here, the VHF, uh, point to point, it's going to find me and I'll receive that message that he sends um, because I'm basically registered as on the air um, via the radio uh, here, which is ports. You know, the port uh, 90, the 9100 ICOM is set up as a uh, COM port. As the radio cycles back and forth, it's basically sending packets, and my uh, station is replying to his station, acknowledging the packets, or, you know, there's some error correction in there via the uh, D Star protocols. You can see there, that's probably the bulk of the message. And eventually, there's a status here. You can see the uh, status. It gives you, you know, how much is coming through. You can see it received 100% there. And eventually, that message. Uh, I think there's another uh, status indicator here at the bottom of the window. You can see the port there. IC9100 receiving. And message. There you go. Message number five received from KG5CEN. So I can go up through now to the messages section and you'll see I have a mail. Uh, if you got a printer available, print that out. It'll come out as a uh, ARRL radiogram. Over. Alright, Roger that. Yeah, I'm filming right now in fact. I uh, just saw the um, acknowledgement, the uh, status messages where it went up to 100% and also the receipt of a message from you. So, okay. So, okay, you sent me a form in a, in a uh, style of uh, ARRL Radiogram. That's also good to know uh, that the forms work over this uh, medium. Good stuff. KE5QKR. If we go ahead and read that message, it does it does indicate it is a routine radiogram. So you can see there's some functions built into this. That's the radiogram, where it came from and what it is, along with the uh, test. Where he's asking me, is this cheap enough for me? <laughs> you must be a fan. <laughs> and and Roger that, Glenn. Uh, just to reply to your message, it was cheap enough for me. Over. Roger, I thought you'd like that. <laughs> okay, another feature of this uh, system of the DRAS software is uh, the ability to transfer binary. Um, and you can see here, since his stations are online, um, I can connect to his K station, KG5CEN, via the IC9100 port, and then transfer files. Um, that's the list of his files on his uh, station, in his DRAT software or computer where he's uh, pointed to, to be those files. So uh, that, that is something we can transfer um, back and forth through each other, also through the software, via the air or the internet, either one, whichever one is working at the time. All right, 
So the file is downloaded from his reflector or station to mine and there's a path setting that uh, you can choose for DRAT's shared documents but here is the document intact that made it over to my station so works fine error free and uh, it just works we had a lot of fun with that I gotta tell you um, I was pretty amazed at just the function you know we, we did leave off one more feature of that software and it's the similar to what everybody's familiar with on the mapping you know like APRS there's a map function built into that um, uh, software that you can also track where the other stations are, even if they're on the air only, RF. And that's that's one of the keys. Whether the Internet's there or not, it'll work either on RF or the Internet or both simultaneously. That's pretty key for emergency operations. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I wonder how many connections that Raspberry Pi would uh, support. Yeah, okay. Um, Glenn and I had a simplex-based roundtable with about four hams here and we were all talking while the rigs were basically negotiating those packets sending them back and forth in the dv mode so uh it's pretty robust of course it's not fast it's not high speed it's not really a replacement for an internet connection but all the functions there and if you can focus your messages on small sized uh bits of information you know key information that that's a valid solution for any Aries or emergency need. Oh yeah, yeah, that was very cool stuff. Yeah. Thanks to uh, KG5CN, by the way, he's in the chat room. Oh yeah, Thanks, yeah. N- nice job, Glenn. Pre- appreciate yeah. your help on that. It's really cool. Very nice. Okay, we're gonna take another break, pay a few bills, and um, I've got a video for you. Okay. And then we've got something Ooh. special coming up that. Not even you know about. Okay, double, I'm, getting ner- I'm getting nervous now. It's a double secret probation. Double secret probation. Okay. Adventures await. A new radio, giveaways, and a trip to Japan. May is full of excitement at ICOM. You don't want to miss out. A compact and smart design, the ID4100A is the perfect D-Star companion for all the journeys ahead. Its intuitive interface, variety of operating modes, and Bluetooth capability make this the perfect D-Star option for adventure seekers. Integrated GPS receiver, new dot matrix display for enhanced DR mode and GPS information. Terminal mode and access point mode. Applications for iOS and Android devices and a micro SD card slot for voice and data storage. Calling all hams. Enter the ICOM America Hamster to Japan sweepstakes today for a chance to win an ICOM radio or even an unforgettable experience to attend the 2017 Tokyo Ham Fair. Make sure you come back and enter each week to be eligible for each radio drawing. You don't want to miss out on this sweepstakes. Visit ICOMAmerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM radios. And that is... Um that's a nice contest. I would like to go to that. Yeah, no kidding. I'd love to do that. Yeah, I, I take it we we would be ineligible to enter, uh, uh, George. Right, yeah, I would think so. But I would uh, imagine. Yeah. But yeah. But hey, say, uh, do you guys know when the Tokyo uh, Ham Fair is actually on? I don't think. I don't. It I don't there. recall. I don't. I, I don't remember. 
It think, shouldn't be too hard I, to find with a quick Google search. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Be sure to wear your hat though when you would do the Google search. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, I, I promised you a video. Here is some testing that I did with uh, the MFJ receiving loop. Cool. And well, I'll just say um, I, I didn't do all the testing I wanted to. But the testing I did do, I was uh, kind of surprised. You know, the people at MFJ Enterprises make a lot of different amateur radio products. I'm going to look at one today that has had my interest up for a while. It's the MFJ 1886 Receive Loop. They recently upgraded the preamp in this antenna, and I wanted to see how well it worked. The antenna is 36 inches of aircraft-grade aluminum. It's very portable. It's lightweight, so you can install it with TV hardware. And it has really deep nulls to it. The MFJ1886 covers from the AM broadcast band up through 30 megahertz, possibly a little beyond that. So it's a good all-around receive antenna. The new preamp is nicely laid out. Power is fed to the preamp by a BIOS T that you install in your shack. I decided to try receiving some AM broadcast stations and see how the antenna performed. The first one is WABG Radio, which is about 75 miles north of me. I actually have a history with this station. I worked for a television station that co-owned this radio station back in the early 80s. It's 1,000 watts daytime, non-directional, 500 watts directional at night. We're listening during the daytime, so it's 1,000 watts at 75 miles away. We'll begin trying to receive it with my 80-meter loop. All we see there is noise. No hint that there's even a radio station there. Let's switch it over to my 40-meter off-center fed dipole and try it. Same results. Now let's switch over to the Antenna 2 port of my IC7700 where the loop is connected. Well, that's uh, not exactly a local signal, but uh, listenable. Another quick check of my 80 meter wire antenna. No comparison. The next station we're going to visit is KAAY in Little Rock, Arkansas. This station is on 1090. It's 50 kilowatts daytime non-directional and 50 kilowatts at night directional. When I was a kid, you could hear this station just barely tell it was there in the daytime. And at night, it was one of the strongest stations on the dial. This station is located about 200 miles away. As before, let's begin by switching back and forth between my 80 meter loop and my 40-meter off-center fed dipole. Now, let's switch over to the MFJ receiving loop. You might be wondering how directional is this antenna? Well, it is pretty directional. You can completely null out a station with it. 
the Cine News Top 10 Weekly Countdown. Well, we have one more look back at May of 1984 this week on the Cine News. And as I forget to do quite often, I left up my two-meter rig while I was recording this. And let's try one more AM station before we go. This is WSJC in McGee, Mississippi on 810. This station is 50 kilowatts non-directional during the day. It's about 45 miles away. This time, the station's actually strong enough that we can hear it on my 80-meter loop antenna. And let's compare that with the 40-meter off-center-fed dipole. And now the MFJ receiving loop. It's a big pool of water. It's very hot. It may take a year or two. For it to actually cool back into a solid, for the whole pool to cool back into a solid. So what David was saying is, if you, uh, on the basis of the evolutionary theory, if you have a huge pool of magma, genetic magma, 10 miles down in the earth, and it's 50 miles wide... I think it's pretty obvious that the MFJ 1886 receive loop works well on the AM broadcast bands with ground wave signals. I really haven't tried it much at night on Skywave to see how it performs there, and I have not tried it much on the HF band yet either. If you've got a noise situation, this antenna will help you null out the interference and bring in the signal that you want to hear. What do you think about that? I think that's pretty awesome. That is. It's, it's impressive, man. Uh, like I said, I, I really didn't try it on the ham band. I didn't have time. Uh, I'm going to. You would think, though, if it works that well on the AM broadcast bands, mm-hmm. that as you go up in frequency, it's, you know, yeah. it's going to work. I'd good. like to have a good receive antenna. You know, I've got my off-center fed, but I get basically what you're mm-hmm. getting there with you were showing. Yeah. Uh, you know, that the uh, the first station that I, well, I don't remember it was the first one, but the uh, station I used to work at that I, I tried to receive there, uh, you know, I... I could pick it up a number of years ago here, just barely. And then I I hadn't been able to pick it up at all in a long time. And that thing just... Yeah, you know. well, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. They, uh, just curious, is that station still in the same old building that you showed? Uh, it is. Really? That's it cool. is. When I worked there, that was just a transmitter building. But uh, now it's a studios and transmitters, I think. Oh. It's a different owner than, than when I worked there. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, I promised you something a little Yeah, I noticed special. Um, I noticed my waiter came and brought an empty glass and left it on my Yeah. Two uh, frosted glasses of ice there. Yeah, just in time. It was getting kind of warm in here. And I wonder what that could mean. It means uh, that they forgot to fill them up. Well, what that means is our, uh, I don't, no I don't tip. think he's in the, the chat room tonight. Our, you remember our friend Simon, ZL2FAE? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Simon and Carla. Uh-huh. Him and his wife. I, yeah, I remember them yep. very well. Nice I, guy. I had lunch. Well, it wasn't lunch. It was breakfast with Simon. Uh, was it Thursday morning? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was Thursday, yep. I think. And, that was uh, when I was on the way home. 
He brought with him some New Zealand swag. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now, I don't know if it's as nasty as that Australian swag or not, (laughs) because (laughs) I I have not tried it yet, but we're about to. Okay. So, um, the first item he brought, he brought this to me, but I'm going to share it with you. This is uh, L&P. Oh, yum. Yum, yum, yum. Lemon, good lemony stuff. Yep. We can get it in Australia. L&P. Yep. Lemon, lemon and Paroa. It's lemon and what? Piranha. Paroa. Oh, Paroa. Paroa. P-A-E-R-O-A. Paroa. Paroa. It's cool. in a... Although it looks like a beer bottle, this is this is plastic. It's not alcoholic, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yep, not alcoholic. No, oh, cool. Let's try it. It's That's carbonated. That's pretty nice. Yeah. yeah, I was looking forward to seeing them. I, I saw that he came through uh, Houston, Texas, and I was watching to see if he was going to make it up through Dallas and see if I could get in touch with him. But yep. he, he cut over here this way. Okay, so it's obviously carbonated. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a good head yeah, to smells, it. It smells good. Smells lemony. <laughs> Thus the name. I'm still trying to figure out what the P is. Look, it's transparent. Paroa, whatever that means. I may have to put my amateur logic hat on and Google that. Smells what like is that, Sprite. Peter? I forget. Um, I'm not sure whether it's the name of the town where they actually take the mineral water from or whether it's um, actually oh, a... Uh, uh, there it is. Somebody said Paroa, carbonated mineral water made in... Parole in New Zealand. So ah. there you go. Location, okay. It kind of makes you think of Sprite a little bit, but it's more lemon. Mm. More yeah. lemony. Yeah, I think it's a little more lemony than Sprite. Mm. That's it's really good. Yeah. Great yes. to wash down with a Vegemite sandwich. I don't know about that. That would just kind of... <laughs> I don't a know. sandwich? <laughs> That's pretty dangerous. It's, yeah. pretty, it's already dangerous enough just to spread a little on some toast. <laughs> Oh, uh, <clears throat> yeah, pretty good stuff. Yeah, that is pretty good stuff. Well, I I got one other thing here. This he sent to my wife, but I managed to sneak it out of the house. Oh, I see. Yeah, <laughs> this is oh same thing. Whitaker's, the lemon and Parola white chocolate. Oh, cool. Infused with L&P, bursting with popping candy. Is that what it says? Yeah, popping candy. I didn't, I didn't see that earlier. Well, we have to ask because of the chat room here. Peter, have you, do you like that candy? Uh, we, I've never seen that in Australia. That's entirely new to me. But I have had various kinds of popping candy. But I don't what is, know, what is popping candy? Is like pop rocks? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had pop rocks when I was a kid. Well, the reason I asked that question is because John in the chat room said, if Peter likes it, run. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not that keen on it. But put some in your mouth and let's see what happens. It smells kind of lemony. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Smells good. Is it popping? Mm. 
It's after you swallow it when it pops. No pop. It's kind of like a lemon drop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Pretty good. Oh. It's popping. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> it's good. It tastes really good. Yeah, it's it not popping like, like like those pop like rocks, pop like rocks. they explode. But but you can feel like almost like uh, almost like carbonation bubbles mm -hmm. a little bit. It's good though. Is it popping good? <laughs> popping good, Cam. Mm -hmm. It almost tastes like the uh, the cream inside those lemon sandwich cookies. Mm-hmm. 28% cocoa. Hmm. Hmm. I wouldn't have guessed it had a white chocolate in it, though. I hear it popping in my ears. Yeah, you have to stop chewing to hear the popping. It pops 12 hours later, somebody said on there. Alfred. Yeah. Mix that and the soda <laughs> together. I don't know. It, it seems like it's pretty good, but I guess... Mm-hmm. We'll have to see uh, what it does to the digestive tract. Still popping. Mm-hmm. And he said something for you, too, Tommy. You did? Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I should have warned you guys about eating New Zealand uh, food and drink. It does have a slight side effect. It does actually cause you to develop a bit of an accent. And so instead of getting, say, fish and chips, oh, you end up saying flush and chips. <laughs> what have you got? Here, I'm going to Oh, here we go. It's uh, Manuka? Manuka? <laughs> I hate to ask. Smoking Mold. chips. It's for, uh, it's for smoking... Um, it looks like it would clog up your bone, though. <laughs> <laughs> you have to roll it up in the paper. But that, that's cool, man. I can't wait to try that out. I get, we have a couple of smokers at home that we like to use. And mm -hmm. I was talking to him on the Facebook one day about that. He asked something about huh. the smoking stuff. So that, that's pretty awesome. Thanks, Simon. Appreciate that. I'll, uh, I'll have to smoke something and bring it over here um, I think he before said before we do one of the yeah, shows you will I, I think he said you don't need to use a lot of it oh yeah yeah but I'm you, curious to know what it uh what the smoke flavor or, or smell is uh, yeah. we do a lot of that here too Manu I wonder if it's, it's like manuka <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh that that explains it whatever that is did you did they did it yeah. show up there? Um, I, I guess I you switched I should it explain guys I should explain uh if my memory serves me correct, right, manuka is actually a type of plant, right, and what they do is they make what they call manuka honey, which is a form of honey that the bees go to these manuka plants and it's supposed to have really, really good, like, antibacterial properties or antiviral properties, really good for the stomach. Hmm. So uh, it's sold very much as a health food. So I suspect you'll probably end up with a honey flavor to that. Hmm. Huh. It says it's good for uh, fish, poultry, meats, olives, 
cheeses, mushrooms, etc. Suitable for use in fish smokers, kitchen smokers, and barbecues. That's cool. Yeah, I can't wait to try that. Yeah. Tom, Tom in the chat room is saying the same thing. Good, good flavor with uh, meats and fish. It's sealed up so tight I can't really smell it. That's, that's awesome. Thanks, Simon. I can't wait to try that out. Yeah, me too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll smoke something and bring it over yeah, here before. We'll have to bring maybe the next amateur logic. Yeah. Either that or I bring a smoker and we'll smoke something at field day. Okay. It's electric. This is a no smoking show. That'll work. <laughs> electric smoker. Yeah, I've got an electric one. Hmm. I use my Weber. You know those little round. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Remember from episode thirty uh, something? It uh, doubles as a parabolic reflector. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Good for microwave. <laughs> cool. Well, well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sending all that stuff. That's so great. now we we've had a taste <clears throat> of New Zealand. Yep. Thanks, Simon. And we will be seeing him next weekend. At least, at least by Friday. At least sure. by Friday. Yep. Yeah. At uh, Ham Bench, and we've seen him. He's I don't know if he goes every year, but most every year, I think. Yeah. So, uh, I don't think he was there last year. I don't, he may not have been. He was there the year before. It's, maybe yeah. it's every other year. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, super nice guy. All right. And I'm hoping we'll run into, <clears throat> um, you know, some of the viewers there. Well, I know we'll run into some of the viewers. At, oh, yeah. At that's You know, that's what I was saying. That's the best part of going to the thing, yep. getting to... Uh, Put a face to some of the people you see in the chat room, the emails, and and Mm -hmm. on the air. Yep. Social media. Uh, You can find us on the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash amateurlogic.tv. And Google Plus is, where's Google Plus, George? Google Plus is on Google. (laughs) Plus.google.com and do a search for Amateur Logic. Orham College. Orham College. Yep, and we're also on Twitter. We have at Amateur Logic and at Ham College. And it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Huge, <laughs> I tell you. <clears throat> One thing I'm just going to say is uh, if we have data there, uh, kind of stay tuned to those uh, social network places there and uh, hope to post some footage uh, or pictures or something of, uh, of the new site at the Ham Fest. Yeah. And we'll be getting some segments and stuff oh, for yeah. sure for a show we'll uh, to follow. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to try to take some things and post a few live things as well as we go through it, if, if we have data. Yeah. So hopefully we do at the new place. Right. Yeah, I'm curious to see how they handle the outside, like the flea market. Yep. That'll be interesting, too. Now, of course, uh, our show notes wiki, thanks to Dan and 9LVS for doing that. Oh, yeah, he does a great job on that. Amateurlogic.tv slash wiki. Find out what uh, we've talked about in previous episodes. And, well, I guess that's going to do it for another month. We'll see you back around the 15th of the month uh, next month. We'll see you around the end of this month for the next time, college. Yeah. And there we're going to be winding up our studies for the amateur uh, technician exam in the U.S. here. Yeah, uh, this will be the last one, won't it? be the last one on technician <laughs> Then we'll be moving on to general. Anything else before we go? Nope. Hope to see you guys at uh, Dayton. If you don't go, then kind of stay tuned, and we'll try to do our best to share things as we go along. All right. Peter, any any final thoughts from down under? 
Yeah, well, just uh, just to say that I'm really, really looking forward to your coverage of Dayton and just seeing um, how it how it turns out in the new venue. Cool. Yeah, we are too. And email. What about from down below? Well, seventy uh, three to everybody, and as we get closer to the uh, hurricane seasons here, get all your stuff ready. Yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. Good, good advice for here, here too. Yeah, I got to work on my generator before field day. You do. That's not far away, is it? No, I'm, I'm gonna be gone most of the time between now and then too. So yeah, we're gonna need that generator. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to use an electric smoker without it. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I hope to do that for real. Uh, yeah. If I can, we'll see if I can work it out. All right. All right. 73. Yep, 73, everybody. See you next time. I hate to interrupt, guys, um, but have you actually got your cameras rolling? Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. I did. I forgot. I thought we did. Yeah, my apologies. Can we do that intro again? I'm sorry. Thanks. <laughs> a little, little dry to me. Yeah, it's a little dry. You be careful to flame up.